Listener Production. Welcome to the Motorsport Brief. It's Friday the 2nd of February 2024. There is a bit going on in supercars right now, but we also want to acknowledge an Aussie who joined the winners list at the legendary Daytona 24-hour last weekend. G'day everybody, welcome to the Rusty's Garage Shortcast. Matt Campbell is standing by in the US. I'll have some thoughts on the Brody Kostecki Erebus situation at the end of this episode too. Don't forget that we have something a little different in the long form or feature episode offering with Greg Siddle released recently. We have done engineers, team bosses, as well as riders and drivers over the years. This one has some great yarns from a driver manager who is incredibly well respected from guiding Mark Larkham to encouraging Sam Michael to pursue Formula One, plus working with Nelson Piquet and stitching deals together for the likes of Roberto Moreno and bringing one Nicky Lauda to Australia in the 1980s. Speedway and Dakar kept us engaged over the holiday period, but the circuit racing season has shifted back into gear, thankfully, with some endurance events. Bathurst 12 Hour is not too far away, and our guest today will be back home for that. He is proof that with talent and commitment, you can make it. Now part of the Penske Porsche program with a big season ahead, he was part of the team that drove the number 7963 to outright victory by just over two seconds at the end of 24 hours at Daytona last weekend. Huge moment in his career, and he's on the line to talk about it. Matt, that is mega. Congratulations and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much, mate. Good to be here and and catch up. It is great to catch up with you. A bit has changed in your world in the last couple of days. Has it all kind of sunk in? Yeah, I think it all sort of sunk in yesterday, finally, Uh, especially myself and and Dane, um, one of my teammates. um, You know, we're both in Charlotte at the moment after the race, and we actually resized our watches. So uh, I think in that moment, everything sort of hits, and uh, it was a really nice moment for the both of us. Just tell people um, a little more about that. For those that don't know about uh, Daytona, I mean, you have a rare Rolex that the winners get. As you say, it's been resized now to fit, which is terrific. Have you kind of paused, mate, to look at that and thought back on just how far you've come? Yeah, it's quite uh, astonishing. I mean, obviously, the let's say the prize and, and the trophy at the end of the, the 24 uh, Daytona 24 event is is something very iconic and very special and, and it's very sought after piece. So, you know, now to have two of them, uh, I feel very honoured and, and grateful to be in such a position, especially with my first overall victory at Daytona. So uh, a very special moment and, and a very historic one as well, not only for Porsche, but also for, for Penske. So, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming for, for the both brands coming back to uh, overall victory lane. Some nail-biting moments for the fans along the way too. That kind of late bid by uh, Tom Blomqvist to try and wrestle it away from you guys. How stressful was all that? Yeah, I mean, pretty nerve-wracking. Um, you know, I must say, like, you know, my past 20, 24-hour win back in 2022, obviously that was a very exciting finish as well, um, you know, in GT class. And I was also sitting on the sidelines too and watching. So this time I made sure I, I tried to replicate everything I did last time. Uh, as soon as I got out of the car, I didn't really move. I uh, just sat down and tried to take it all in and watch the last two hours. So uh, pretty stressful. Definitely didn't move. And uh, there were some tense moments, let's say, because strategy was coming into play. Uh, both cars were fighting pretty hard. And, uh, you know, it was a really exciting finish. And, and it was a really cool race overall with the Cadillac. How much sleep 
did you get? And and I asked that because I mean it's twenty four hour race. Obviously, you try and um, stay as sharp as possible. But I mean, effectively, for a lot of people that take in whether it's Le Mans or Daytona, you're kind of on the go for thirty hours or so straight. So so could you get a bit of rest? Did you? Yeah, I got a little bit. Uh, I think I got around forty five minutes in the end. Um, I was ex- well, I was trying to get a little bit more actually, but then uh, in the early hours of the morning, our, our run plan sort of changed for our driver lineup for the remaining uh, part of the race, sort of the last eight hours. So mm-hmm. uh, that was sort of cut short a little bit, and then uh, we went into action for the for the rest of the race basically with with me and Felipe finishing it off. So uh, yeah, had planned to get a little bit more, but it didn't really work out that way, and had to get woken up. Invariably, um, it's a race that really tests the equipment. How kind of confident in the the pre-event build-up were you that everything was was right as far as the Porsche package was concerned? Yeah, I think uh, you know with these cars, they're, they're so advanced now, and and for sure, last year was a difficult race for us. Um, you know, the the durability of the car was a big talking point uh, and and our main focus. And and ever since then, we've made a lot of development, a lot of changes to the car. And let's say it wasn't. Uh, you know, as back as much in our the back of our minds, basically, because we had a lot more confidence in the car and what it was capable of. So uh, we're in a much better position going into the race this year, whether it be on spare parts or, or anything like that. Whereas last year, you know, it was such a rush um, for everyone, really, on the GTP mm. grid, not only Porsche. So uh, this year, we felt really prepared and, and we had all the tools at hand to be able to uh, try and have the best result possible. Anything that you had to manage along the way? I mean, 24 hours, any little noises that kind of creep in make you nervous, don't they? Oh, 100%. And there was definitely some things that popped up. You know, we, we started to have a few issues with our, our power controller, um, which sort of started on car six. And, you know, once they started to, to face the issues, um, we jumped right on it and tried to solve it ourselves as well to make sure we didn't get any drive-proof penalties or anything like that, you know, going above the controller. So uh, it was quite tense, the whole race, you know, the management behind the scenes to be able to keep the, the energy management under control was uh, hugely challenging and, and with this it made the car a little bit more difficult to drive as well so uh yeah it wasn't an easy race and and this sort of lasted for more or less 20 hours so there was a lot going on behind the scenes your teammate dane cameron who you mentioned before was kind of overcome with emotion in that interview afterwards i mean it it is a reminder of, of how much it means and how significant this race is yeah very much so i mean uh you know, in, in North America here, I mean, you know, in terms of endurance racing, this is the, the Super Bowl for, for us in, in North America. Mm. Obviously, in, in, in Europe, we've got Le Mans, you know, maybe Nürburgring 24-hour and, and Monaco and so forth. So, you know, for endurance racing in the U.S., um, it was very special for him. You know, he'd, he'd been racing here uh, in Daytona for about 15 to 16 years and, and never really had any luck at all. So, for it to all finally come together, and I think in, in such a special way as well in this, this race, um, you know, it was very cool and, and I was extremely happy for him because he's a very good friend and, and the nicest bloke you'll meet in pit lane. You mentioned uh, Philippe Anasa before there as well. You also got to drive with the reigning Indy 500 champion in Joseph Newgarden. His uh, crew chief has been on the pod in the last year or so. What is it like working with Joseph? And did you get to spend a bit of time with his crazy bus bro teammate, Scott McLaughlin, as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's a big character. He's a big personality and, uh, you know, obviously coming from the Penske side. So uh, it's really nice when you have such people sort of join the program because, you know, I think all of us have slightly different backgrounds. You know, Dane started off in, in open wheelers coming across the GT and then into prototypes, sort of a similar path to what I've done. Uh, Felipe obviously going through single seaters and, and through Formula One into sports cars. I and mean, Joseph really having no prior sports car experience from until last year. So uh, 
it's really, really cool when you get such people involved in, in a program where the car is so um, advanced and, you know, he can bring different ideas that maybe we haven't thought of. So the way it all come together with such people joining, it's, um, it's really, really cool and, and he brought a lot to the table as well. As you said, been a while between drinks for Penske and Porsche uh, at Daytona. Really cool photo that you've shared in the last 24 hours or so on your Instagram. Uh, you're right behind the trophy with all the team, the other drivers, and you are right beside Roger Penske. Can you share a little bit of his reaction and perhaps what he might have said to you? Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely uh, over the moon. Um, you know, we even spoke to Joseph after the race and he said after the 500 victory last year, Roger didn't really show too much emotion. Obviously, he was excited, but, you know, he didn't really shed a tear or anything like that. Whereas this year, um, when we won the race, there was definitely some tears from, from Roger, which was fantastic Amazing. to see because there was so much um, work gone into this particular race. And, and, you know, there's been so much work with the two iconic brands coming back together in Porsche and Penske and uh, for it to all pay off with such a big victory at the start of the year. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. So, um, yeah, he, he said a few words to me on the podium and even sent me a message yesterday as well. So um, it's very, very cool to be part of such an organisation. Hey, your own stints were, were very good. More than a few people who were there have, have told me about that, Matt. As you kind of reflect on it, how happy are you with what you contributed on race day and, in fact, right across the whole weekend at Daytona? Yeah, I mean, from from my personal point of view, I was very happy with what I was able to contribute to the race. Um, you know, I felt like my performance um, in, in some parts of the race were, were really, really good. And, and me and Felipe were so close in lap times the, the whole entire race. So uh, I think this made a really big difference at certain parts with, with our strategy and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, I'm happy. You know, we were, we were leading the race multiple times with me in the car and you know, it was such a, a cool feeling because, you know, last year we were never really in a position where we could fight in such a way at this event and, and now for it to turn around within a 12-month period and, and be linked to race multiple times and really taking it to the 31 Cadillac was uh, really phenomenal. The way the race ebbed and flowed and then obviously turned out the end, it, it made it that much more special, I think, for, for everyone at Porsche. When you go into something like that um, in one of, you know, the best teams in world motorsport with, as you said, an iconic brand in, in Porsche, um, do you go flat out for 24 hours or is that old adage about, you know, buy a ticket to the end of the of the game, the end of the race, something that still holds true? Yeah, we, let's say we're definitely, you know, pushing a lot more um, than, let's say, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, you know, the cars and the durability is much better. But in saying that, I feel like racing in the US is slightly different to, let's say, Le Mans. You know, Le Mans or Nürburgring 24-hour, you are pushing flat out from lap one. There's no doubt about that. Whereas, you know, racing in North America and the style of racing in IMSA, um, you have a lot of yellows and, and so forth. So, um, you know, it's definitely making sure you have the ticket at the end, you know, getting in a good position for the last six hours and, and making sure you're good on strategy and, and everything like that. But uh, I feel like in our cars... Um, you know, there's a lot of energy management going on behind the scenes. So certainly you're pushing over the, the whole race, but, you know, you're, you're taking a little bit of care and, and making sure you don't touch or, or hit anyone because you want that, you know, really nice fast car at the end. So uh, that's certainly how we did it. Um, you know, we made sure, you know, through all of practice and, and the raw events that um, we worked on the car uh, for the end of the race. So uh, it wasn't the nicest at some parts, but we made it fast at the end, which mattered. What is that beautiful-looking car like to drive? Can you take us there, share a bit of it, describe it for us? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I have a different point of view compared to 
most people um, who have joined sort of GTP or hypercar, whether it be an IMPS or a WEC, uh, and I feel like a lot of my Porsche teammates are, are very similar in the sense that we've come from GT. So we don't really come from a prototype background um, prior and, and you know, jumping into it, uh, it's very, very different. You know, for what they are, the cars are quite heavy. Uh, a lot, a lot of power and, and very advanced. You know, the, the steering wheel in these cars uh, are just as busy, if not more busy, than, than Formula One cars at the moment with how much is going on behind the scenes um, for the energy management and everything like that. So um, the amount of buttons and and toggles and things we've got to play with inside the car, and, and we are playing with a lot uh, throughout the stint, and, and some of these things are, are told to us from our engineers, and then the driver also had a lot, has a lot of control as well. So... Um, you know, it makes you think a lot. You've got to be really on it, and uh, there's a lot of uh, thought process going on behind the scenes. That's for sure. Your background in racing Porsches in in Michelin Sprint Challenge, in Carrera Cup, and so on um, in Australia—that diet, if you like, that you were raised on. This is a very different beast. How's that transition been? And clearly, you've loved every second of it. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, a lot's happened since I sort of left Australia and, and first mm. sort of joined the, the Porsche Pyramid in, in Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge Australia. And uh, it's been a phenomenal ride. But, um, you know, to get to this point, you know, I'm really happy with where I am in my career. Um, and this was always the ultimate goal um, when I left Australia uh, to join Porsche. You know, I wanted to reach the, the top of the Porsche Pyramid with Porsche and sports cars and, uh, you know, racing these big events like Daytona 24 and racing for them outright victories and, uh it was a bit of a shame when I, when I joined because Porsche was in Olympiwan and they sort of stopped that project um, the year I joined. And, and now for them to come back and be a part of it, it's, uh, it's quite surreal and, and something I've you know, always dreamed of. So uh, it's mm. phenomenal and, and really enjoying it and, and driving the cars as well. You know, they're, they're really tricky to drive but very rewarding at the same time. I went to Daytona in 2014. I spent time there with a colleague and a good mate in Lee Diffie from NBC. I mean, the event is different to Le Mans, but there is something really captivating about it. The history, legendary track, but still that North American flavour, quality field this year as well. I mean, even before um, the success you've enjoyed there, how much did um, Daytona appeal to you? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it's it's always appealed to me. You know, it's a special race. It's the only 24-hour we, we do in North America, and uh, I've been coming to Daytona now since 2019, and you know, had some some success, some some podiums and everything like that. But, you know, the overall victory is something very special. But Daytona, you know, it's definitely got its own flavor. You know, it's a unique place. And it was very cool to be a part of this year too. You know, so many so many fans around. I think it was the biggest ever Daytona event uh, in the history. And, uh, you know, it's just cool. We don't really do anything else like it with the banking, the infield section uh, and all the fans. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's just a different event. It's something like a, a Le Mans or Bathurst 12-hour or Nürburgring 24. You know, they're all so different and so iconic in their own ways and, and have their own feelings, and, and it's definitely no different. Okay, so uh, not bad for someone who not all that long ago was kind of camping at the McElroy residence, a humble Queenslander. That hasn't changed in you, I know. Um, who else have you heard from in the wake of this? And I gather there was a special call to mum pretty soon after you won. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, once I got back to the hotel room um, after the race, obviously called mum back and, and she was, you know, extremely happy for me and everything like that. And then I actually stayed off my phone until the middle of the next day, you know, just to soak it all in and, and hang with my teammates and everything like that. And then it took a fair while to get through all the messages because there was quite a few, but obviously many that uh, meant a lot to me, you know, there was a lot of people behind the scenes who 
who gave me a lot to be able to get me to this point in my career and gave me the opportunity and, uh, you know, through my company and, and program. So, um, you know, definitely they were on the list uh, as the first messages I got and, and they were extremely happy for myself. So uh, very grateful for many people. You know, this is uh, just another big milestone. And, uh, you know, it's extremely cool to have such people involved um, sort of with my story, I, I suppose you could say. Three to get us to the finish line here, Matt. Firstly, myself, Richard Crail, and some people from uh, Porsche Motorsport in Australia in the next couple of weeks are going to be working with some youngsters at a, a camp in Australia, a training camp, if you will. What kind of things would you say to that next wave of emerging young racers mm-hmm. about what you're doing and what you've done? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's a hard one to answer, to be fair, because, you know, I, I feel like everyone has their own ways of going about things. But certainly for myself, um, you know, a, a good example is when I first went across to the to the Porsche Motorsport shootout in Germany. And, you know, I just enjoyed it so much. I had fun. You know, I didn't really think about the end result. And, and I think this is a really key takeaway is, you know, enjoying your motorsport. Um, mm. You know, it, it's a big part of it. And, and certainly there's stressful points. And, there's some hard times, but I think, um, you know, for me, when I get in the car, I just really thoroughly enjoy it. You know, there's moments outside the car, which, um, you know, it's it's work at the end of the day, so it's not as nice, but uh, enjoying my time behind the wheel at this moment of my career, which is, I think, one of the, the most important parts is that you're enjoying your craft. So uh, have fun. Great takeaway. Uh, what's the season ahead look like from here for you, the schedule? And I would imagine within the bounds of that, you'll keep an eye on Jackson Evans in supercars too. Will you get back home? And are there any kind of supercars opportunities that might present for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, no supercar opportunities um, this year. Uh, with my calendar, there's a few conflicts. I would love to be able to get back and compete. It's an event I, I love coming back to and, and being a part of. Uh, and one I, I really want to tick off one day is, you know, the 1,000. But uh I'll be following Jackson, still a very close friend. But my year ahead, I mean, uh, it's crazy busy at the moment. You know, the first four months of the year, it's just basically from event to event, to test to test. So, uh, you know, tonight I'll actually be flying out to uh, Barcelona. We have a test uh, there on the weekend. And then straight after that, we'll be flying down to uh, Australia for the Bathurst 12-hour. And then straight after that to Qatar, obviously joining the the World Endurance Championship this year, um, coming across from IMSA full-time. So that's a bit of a change and uh, then it's straight from there to the next event. So uh, it's crazy times at the moment, extremely busy, but, you know, thoroughly enjoying it and, uh, you know, I like to be busy. So it's, you know, making it a little bit easier. Finally, is the Le Mans 24-hour now kind of the, the big focus? I mean, you've been there, I know, but a Daytona win on the CV um, surely must have, have kind of hardened the resolve or, or the, the will to tick that box. Uh, most definitely. I mean... You know, last year, um, you know, Porsche ran three cars um, and unfortunately I wasn't there. I was actually the reserve driver and, and this year now racing full-time in the WEC, obviously getting to do Le Mans. Um, so, yeah, really excited to be able to go there. You know, I've won in class um, just like Daytona. So hopefully it's a, it's a good thing um, going into Le Mans this year. Uh, first time racing for the overall victory. But, yeah, just really excited to be able to compete at Le Mans. You know, it's going to be one of the biggest years ever. I think I sold out in the, the space of two days. So uh, I think it's going to be something special this year to be a part of and and extremely excited, you know, to be a part of the, the FIA World Endurance Championship once again as a full season. And, um, you know, Porsche is putting a lot of emphasis and, and pressure for Le Mans to be able to get it for this victory. Congratulations. Thank you for coming on the pod and talking to us. I reckon that is super cool. 
Daytona 24-hour outright winner with the watch to prove it. We wish you well for the rest of the season and especially for Le Mans. Yep, thank you very much, Rusty, and uh, really appreciate it. Over many years in this role, you get the chance to see different drivers or riders work hard to try and break into the elite levels of the sport. Some don't make it, sadly. Others, who may not have the financial wherewithal in their pockets that do make it, like Matt, are genuinely inspiring. It is great to see them fly, to see their growth. He walks with this confidence of a pro athlete now. He kind of oozes that, but not in an arrogant way, if that makes sense. He's true to that young racer I first met at McElroy Racing many years ago. Now the news about Brody Kostecki, the 2023 Supercars champion, and tension, a possible split with Erebus, is what many of you have been talking about in recent days. That is still fresh and fluid. I'd rather hear it from them and with balance, if they want to come on, and how it got to this point. Erebus saying via a statement that Brody is with them for 2024, but he'll sit out the opening round at Bathurst in a few weeks' time, the Bathurst 500. Todd Hazelwood will sub for him there. Shane Van Gisbergen's chimed in with some support for his friend and colleague via socials from the United States. Bit of cryptic stuff from Peter Adderton, followed by a cooling of rumours there too. Whatever happens, I genuinely hope that Brody is in a race car this year, hopefully in a NASCAR too, with the odd appearance that he'd planned, and in a supercar to defend that title. He is too talented to be on the sidelines. It would be a shame if this can't be ironed out, for all parties really, for Erebus too. Are existing deals with drivers at other teams about to be tested? And finally, after years of work, millions of dollars tendering to join the Formula One grid as the 11th team, Andretti has learned it's a no-go for now. That might be possible in four years' time. Will there be another avenue to ultimately get Michael and his US operation into the sport that has captivated North American audiences in recent years? Interesting that F1 suggested Andretti would benefit more than the other way around from their involvement. I'm no comms guru, but I'm not sure I would have worded it that way. The new season of Drive to Survive launches later this month. In the meantime, you might enjoy NASCAR Full Speed on Netflix too. Similar approach, but a different code and some input from great people who know, like Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'm really enjoying that. That is it for this edition. Bye for now, everyone.